Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Welcome back, everybody, to the Anime World Order podcast. This is show number 170. On each episode of the Anime World Order podcast, we talk about Japanese cartoons, occasionally comics, and things pertaining to same. My name is Daryl Surratt, and with me, as always, Gerald Rathkolb. And is this going to be our Christmas episode? I don't know. I hope not. I think we can do another one. I don't know if we'll be able to get through a lengthy show in the next couple of weeks, but we'll see if we can throw something together. Hmm. Is Clarissa there? Do we lose her? Yes. No, I was just I was just waiting for Gerald to be finished. I thought he was finished. All right. I've never got anything important to say. That's, That's why, why you have a show. podcast. But it was yes. important enough for you to cut me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's not all right. This episode, along with all of our previous episodes, are available on our website, which is www.animeworldorder.com. As of right now, the latest issue of Otaku USA magazine is out. It's a February 2019 issue. It's got Attack on Titan Season 3 on the cover. I wrote the cover story for that. I also reviewed Hanebato, you know, the badminton of Ayano Hamasaki, as well as, oh God, I'm forgetting the third thing that I wrote about. I'll just open the book and look. <laughs> I may have written something for that, but it's usually, uh, we are writing so far ahead of time that I forget. So the reason I couldn't remember is because it seemingly took place over the course of a year, but was actually just one day of my life because I reviewed The Night is Short, Walk On <laughs> Girl, which is going to come out from G-Kids on home video in a couple of months. If you saw the Tatami Galaxy, uh, which nobody did, this is uh, sort of related to that. But most people are seeing this film without ever having seen Tatami Galaxy and loving it. And so you can go check that out over on www.otakuusamagazine.com. The magazine is actually a physical magazine sold in stores, but you can get a digital edition over there. The last anime magazine that's been going for, what, 11 years now, 12 years? Probably 12 because it started about years, a yeah. year after us. What's interesting is that it, it outlasted, what, Anamerica. And I thought Anamerica ended because sales were down. Had nothing to do with that. Anamerica sales were fine. Apparently, it's just the company that ran Anamerica just wanted to go in another direction. Which is also, hmm. like, I thought Viz ran Anamerica. But, you know, that is the uh, reason why been... Wizard shut down their anime magazine. Why, you know, a bunch of these things closed down. It wasn't because no one was subscribing, but at least we've got people who are willing to continue to pay us. I don't think people were reading Peak. I don't even think people remember Peak. We don't talk about that because it's not truly an anime <laughs> magazine. It was the, hey, we're writing about anime, but all of us hate anime. Let's write about the thing that we truly care about. And so turns out it was uh, nobody else who was particularly interested in hearing about that because it was no different from what everyone else was doing. We, on the other hand, are willing to talk about garbage. And <laughs> oh, yes. 
Japanese animated versions of same. And so with that in mind, I'd like to read an email. This one came in a little while ago, but I think it is particularly interesting and relevant and timely considering that it is the end of the year, the holidays upon us, that we talk about things like Christmas, things like Hanukkah. And when you talk about Christmas and Jesus and the like, you have to talk about, of course, the Holy Grail from which it's said that Jesus drank eggnog out of. I think that's what was in the Bible. (laughs) Eggnog is nasty as fuck, but you know, he's the son of God, allegedly. (laughs) And so with that in mind, this email is from Brian and it is titled one of my Holy Grails on Blu-ray. Hey, AWO folks, as I write this, a box is waiting for me at home containing treasures I never thought to possess in my lifetime. That's right. The Devilman OAVs and Angel Cop on (laughs) Blu-ray. While AWO is responsible for me seeking out Devilman a while ago, Angel Cop and I have a long history. Back in the day when Blockbuster Video crowned themselves the Guardians of Morality in the U.S., insisting (laughs) on edited versions of showgirls and other cinematic treasures so as not to irreparably taint the souls of Americans everywhere. Not Americans. Americans, like, that's exactly how I wrote it. It turned out (laughs) that they weren't paying as close attention to the anime they decided to stock. (laughs) My local blockbuster video didn't have much of an anime section, but they did have a couple of tapes that forever changed my life. The Professional Gogo 13... And Angel Cop. Angel Cop. That was the two ones they had. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Again, it's all cartoons, right? So just (laughs) throw throw them in there. Angel Cop had all of the episodes on a single tape. The cover. I remember that release, yeah. Yeah, the, the cover didn't really speak to me, but the extended running time indicated a lot of bang for my buck, so I took a chance. The video was blurry. The tape had lots of dropouts and threatened to break at any moment. It didn't matter. I was in love. The opening shootout and glorious head explosion was enough to cause me to sit transfixed through the entire thing. Angel Cop had everything. Gravity-defying hooters, (laughs) telekinetic kids, and a lick-it-up era Gene Simmons look-alike. The excessive profanity was just a bonus. When Blockbuster decided to sell it off, probably because some parent rented it for their kid not realizing what it was... I snapped it up. I had that tape until it finally decided to unspool itself inside my VCR. After that, the manga DVD entered my collection where it has remained until today. I know it's just an upscale, damn it. But I can't wait to go home, crack open a beer, and enjoy revisiting a time when Japan was destined to rule the world. A man could wear a leather jacket with no shirt underneath. And apparently... The Jews were responsible for global terrorism. It's horrible. It's violent. It's stupid. I love it. Keep up the good work, Brian. Thank you very much, Brian, for writing in and regaling us with your tale of Blockbuster Video and how it irreparably damaged or, you know, benefited your life (laughs) from that point on. For those of you who don't remember, back in 2007, we reviewed Angel Cop. It is now on Blu-ray, as he noted. It is an upscale because it was a direct-to-video OAV. There was not like a, like, there's not a film print of Angel Cop, regrettably. 
for them to do like a, a true remastering. Yeah, it's it's weird with Blockbuster. Like they knew that anime was different enough that it would get its own section, but not enough to know what the hell they put in that section. Right, because hmm. you'd have like My Neighbor Totoro with the 18 plus sticker on it or 17 plus sticker on it. And then yes. Akira and Fist of the North Star also with the 17 plus sticker on it. Or they'd go the opposite way and put like Aratsuki Doji in the kids section because it's a cartoon. I'm just, you know, <laughs> hypotheticals here. But that may not have been a hypothetical. Anime usually worked its way into like the sci-fi section. So it was right. like Fist of the North Star sitting right next to like Star Wars or something like that. Until somebody who worked at Blockbuster was like, let's separate these things out. And then at most you'd get like a tiny sliver of a shelf. And every Blockbuster would have the same stuff. I'm sure that the company ordered like 10,000 copies of something and just distributed it. Right. Well, they ordered from Streamline and they ordered from CPM first and foremost. So yeah. uh, that will potentially tie into what we were reviewing this episode, though. Well, I will although make Angel a correction. Cop was by Manga. Uh, in that it, it was not a anime section, it was a Japanimation section. Yes. Japanime, oh yeah. That always tells you what time it came from when, when right. you use the term Japanimation. <laughs> yeah, people forget that Indeed. that was the default term for, like, ooh, early anime fandom. I mean, I didn't typically hear people use the word anime until the mid-90s, and even then, yeah. like, the stores... Like whether it was Blockbuster or Suncoast, they would still generally call it the Japanimation section. It wasn't until years later that they relabeled it the anime section. Right. Right. Tim Eldred was on our show years ago, and he said like that term was useful back then because it said exactly what it was. It was Japanese animation. But of course, if you were the wrong type of person, you could emphasize the wrong syllable in that and make it sound really bad. Right. You can uh, also go back to our previous episodes and listen to our interview with Walter Amos and Rob Fanelon, who also discussed sort of the etymology of that. So uh, mm -hmm. thanks for writing in, Brian. For writing in, I'm going to give you a coupon for a Got Anime membership code over at our sponsor, RightStuffAnime.com, where right now... Throughout the rest of December is the basically the ongoing holiday sale, which we talked about last episode, where every day you should go and check for the daily deals. They're usually really good right now as we were. And like this. me, you can spend way too much money. Yes, you can spend way too much yep. money. And what I should have done is I should have like made you buy it through our affiliate link and then we would have gotten like a, yeah. a, com a commission. But by the time you'd entered, like, I also probably should have signed up for a new God Anime membership. Well, Here's what I'll say about that. As good as the God Anime membership is, the prices for this sale are good enough that I don't think you get additional promotional discount if you have God Anime. Because as I look at the price, for example, today the daily deal is Attack on Titan Season 2 Limited Edition, $31 instead of $85. Yeah, maybe not the daily deal. So that's not eligible for the promotional discount. Yeah, I know sometimes like the really deeply discounted stuff used to be like discounted from that, but... But right now, it's, you know, as part of the sale, those are the prices. So if you want to redeem your God Anime membership, you may either do so now or do so in January. But I'll send you that link that that's a promotional coupon code. But to give you an idea, it gives you 10% off of the prices, even when they're usually discounted, unless it says not eligible for promotional discounts. So for example, the G Gundam Ultra Edition Blu-ray is about to start shipping, and so the pre-order price for that is $144, and retail price 200 
$40 so you don't get additional discount off that because you're already saving like 100 bucks. On that note, order that G Gundam Blu-ray set. Angel Cop normally is $30. Right Stuff sells it for $22.50. With the God Anime membership, it's 20 bucks thereabouts. But that's because there's no discotech sale going on right now. If we were to mm-hmm. wait a couple weeks, because usually they cycle out publisher sales, mm-hmm. then if Angel Cop is discounted even further, your God Anime membership would have an additional 10% stack on top of that. And so you could potentially have Angel Cop for like $12, $15 instead of 30 So it's really worth it. Look forward to that. Check your email inbox. And if you would like to send us emails of your own regaling us with your tales or your questions or comments, the email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com. We have a ton of emails that we get, most of which we read immediately as soon as we get them and then maybe don't respond to them for several months at a time. But rest assured, they are being read. Before we go on to our review, um, I just want to bring this up quickly. Since the last episode, there have been a couple of deaths that I think we owe it to anime fandom to at least mention. The one that everybody knows about is, of course, Stanley, who was actually a pretty good friend to Japanese comics and Japanese animation during his lifetime and was a big fan of apparently the the Spider-Man manga and the Spider-Man TV show. But the one that I think we owe to anime fandom that we mentioned is, of course, the death of Fred Patton. Yeah. We owe it because Fred Patton, with no exaggeration, is literally the founder of anime fandom in America. The guy started one of the first anime viewing clubs in America. He wrote Watching Anime, Reading Manga, or is it Reading Manga, Watching Anime? It's Watching Anime, Reading Manga. It's 25 years of his collected essays. Since Fred Patton was initially a sci-fi fandom sort of guy, and he would write articles about Japanese animation and the like in various places. And so his book was a compilation of the essays that he wrote over the decades, along with additional little comment or two looking back on it quarter century later. I met Fred one time at Anime Week in Atlanta, and he signed the book for me because that was when he was there because the book had just come out. Even then, I knew that even though Fred was like this massive instrumental figure for Japanese animation... His true love was being a furry because he that was sort of his other thing that he kind of started because Fred knew Tezuka. So, you know, they were partners in crime what in the, both the Japanese animation and the furry side of things. So he was looking through Apocalypse Meow, a.k.a. Catch It One, <laughs> the manga version of that, which is about rabbits with guns shooting each other. That's sort of Fred's deal. One of the things he wrote after the book which you can all read this online. If you go to cartoonresearch.com, Fred for many years had a column called Funny Animals and More. Funny Animals is, of course, the ye old coded phrase for furry stuff, right? But he had like really incredible write-ups as a historian and as a first-hand witness to the early days of anime fandom and the early days of the anime industry in the United States because Fred Patton was the first person hired at Streamline Pictures when they started it. And so he was basically one of the first people there and one of the last people to go. And so he wrote like, here's what happened at Streamline Pictures and it was a multi-part column and it's fascinating stuff because he was like the guy who was there. In fact, 12 years ago, back in 2006, Fred got billed by the Japanese as the world's oldest living otaku since he'd been actively part 
of fandom since the early 1960s, which is before even the big name Japanese otaku were even born. Interesting story. I was just a guest on the third Impact anime podcast where we're talking about Lupin the Third, the Castle of Cagliostro, and I regaled the story there, but I'll quickly repeat it here. At the time, in the late 70s, early 1980s, the Cartoon Fantasy Organization, which was the name of the national anime club that Fred co-founded, along with Mark Merlino, who was also like a huge big-time furry founder guy. Yeah, he was basically the, uh, the furry founder. So. Yeah, yeah, both of them were. They were in communication, not just with guys like Tezuka, but also with representatives from uh, anime studios. And so one guy, I believe from Tokyo Movie Shinsha, came down, or maybe it was uh, Monkey Punch himself who came down because he did go to those meetings at times. And they said, like, oh, well, we've got this Lupin the Third movie, The Castle of Cagliostro. Here's a film print of the thing, or whatever it was that they had uh, to show it. And they said, hey, do you guys think you can do something to spread the word about this movie? And they said, sure, we'll see what we can do. And they took it to Worldcon in 1980, the big literary sci-fi convention. Still going on today. Still going on today. Yep. And as you might guess, the reception of anime at Worldcon was not very high. Even in 1980, or especially 1980, uh, as Fred noted, he said most of the attendees were like, we're not going to see some children's cartoon thing because animation's for kids. The few- By the way, same today. They have the same attitude today. Exactly. It's, I, I'm so. pretty sure a lot of the same people at Worldcon were probably there in 1980 who are not dead. <laughs> but they said the people who did show up did like what they saw, but they almost entirely forgot to fill out the audience survey like to say, hey, what did you think of the movie? So they said, well, it was kind of a wash as far as like bringing the anime to Worldcon. But because they were at Worldcon, they were able to meet and strike up some conversations with people. And that's how like the organized furry fandom started and Anthrocon and all that. So thanks a fucking lot, Lupin Third, for <laughs> you know, giving us that. Without you, there would truly be no Sonic the Hedgehog as we know it. It's so weird that anime fandom and furry fandom, while founded by the same core group of people, kind of split off and were, like, developing in sort of parallel to each other. But, I mean, anime fandom probably was better developed earlier than furry fandom, from what I understand. Like, anime fandom had cons earlier and things like that. Hmm. A little bit earlier, yeah. But again, even today, right now, behind the scenes, the, like, old-time staffers of, like, your long-established Japanese animation conventions in the United States, yeah, they're furries also. They maybe not be as overt about it, but they're out there. Many of them are, yeah. The old guys, yeah. And Fred Patton was, like, the archetype of that. Though, if you'd like to hear some anecdotes about Fred, I remember early on we had Patrick Macias on as a guest, and he sort of talked about like, Tessica and Fred Patton would hang out and watch like, uh, you know, Supercar or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a big loss. Loss of Fred Patton. Really influential guy. Very influential on me. A lot of my writing style is taken from Fred's style of writing things. Although uh, I also steal a lot from Dave, Merrill, and Mike Toole. And so the combination of those three, since I have no style of my own to add onto that, makes like what I write. 
and do. So thanks, Fred. It's rare that you can say this is literally like the start of this fandom hmm. is like here. Is a guy like that. And yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. To this day, there are still people who have preserved like the articles that he wrote or, you know, like the, the magazine things that, you know, he did. So if you don't know who Fred Patton is, uh, I encourage you to look into it. I want to say that all of his collection was preserved at the and I, I think it was Berkeley. I'm not entirely sure, but I know that one of the California universities has like a sci-fi library and he donated all of his anime and his furry stuff to that. And so that is preserved there, thank God. Yeah, I remember hearing about that a while ago, that, that he had donated that stuff. So that's good. Yeah, I thought it was Berkeley, but I'm probably wrong, just because I'm thinking, like, California universities. Okay, the only one out there is Berkeley. Yeah. So. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> yes, there are hundreds. He donated his collection to the University of California. Okay. okay. And so that was his fanzines, the furry books, the anime stuff. It's all there. Fred actually was a librarian traditionally. So that's part of how he was able to curate all this stuff and how he, that drove his approach to this thing, these sorts of things as well. Yeah. When he did have the stroke, uh, he basically had to get rid of a lot of that stuff, but luckily it did not end up in the trash. It is there. So if you do yes. make it out to the university of California, Riverside, uh, that's just UCR, go and check that out. And please take this as an idea because we've heard a lot of about, People who've got these big collections of things and they don't preserve it, then it just gets trashed. Consider, you know, talk to your libraries, talk to your universities. They might want that stuff. They can do something with that stuff. Don't let it just get thrown out. Like, I don't know, Wonder 3 or something where all of that is literally just gone. I think that once I die, they'll just set my whole apartment on fire so that it can <laughs> trap, so my collection can go with me to the afterlife. <laughs> Very Tutankhamun like, just take it all with me. <laughs> Absolutely. So the incredible review that you'll never forget. Is it a review of darkness? Uh, yeah, it, it certainly <laughs> is going to be a review of darkness. <laughs> we will quote the Anamerica tagline for this in their review, because Anamerica, the bastion of neutrality in journalism. Get ready for a damned good courtroom battle unlike any you've ever seen before. Oh, I don't think they lied. <laughs> I also want to add on perhaps a less grim note or maybe a more grim note, depending on your point of view. The threat was made two episodes ago in show number 168 that Yoshiyuki Tamino would be making more Gundam Rekongista in G. And we said, oh, he's just that's just talk. He's just been saying that for four years. Well, guess what? 2019 Gundam Rekongista in G is coming back in the form of compilation movies, which Tamino assures us will be good this time. <laughs> Was there actual demand for that? Like, really? I don't know. There must be. Well, I mean, I assume it's Gundam so they can sell anything with Gundam on it. But... Can they, though? Because you got <laughs> Yoshiki Tomino's G Reko, and I'm pretty sure all those model kits did not move but mm. tamino's promo for the movies is like ah eh, i was doing that tv show didn't really give a shit thinking uh eh, i'll make it good when i do the movie <laughs> uh do we know it's not going to be a compilation it movie is going to be a retail. compilation movie which to me is potentially 
a good thing for this particular show. Because generally, I say compilation movies serve zero purpose whatsoever in an era where there's home video, in an era where there's DVRs, where there's streaming and simulcasts, and you know you can easily rewatch something from even ten years ago, five years ago. Without much effort. A compilation movie... But maybe it'll cut out all the pointless shit. Exactly. Normally, (laughs) you say, oh, well, it's impossible to make a compilation movie because you can only make a compilation movie work if there's a bunch of things that you can cut out without hurting anything whatsoever. And as luck would have it, (laughs) Gundam Reconquista in G is exactly the sort of story that you could cut out a significant amount and not be worse for the wear. So that is happening. In fact, there is a lot of things you could cut out and it will probably be better. Yes. Usually when I think of a compilation movie, I just think that they take the clips from the TV show and sort of edit things together with maybe some interspersed like reanimation. And I assume that's going to be the same deal, right? Yeah, that's basically what they're doing. They're not reanimating. Okay. And then maybe after that, we'll get like an original movie if there's interest or demand or whatever. I really hope that Tomino just magically turns it all around all by himself doesn't need yasuhiko this time to make something (laughs) to make something good yeah he'll show us all next year in 2019 but he's got some competition because 2019 there will be three additional mobile suit gundam movies because they are finally adapting the Hathaway's Flash novels, I believe they were novels, into a trilogy of films, and those are coming out next year as well. And so there's going to be a Gundam competition to see who can make the better Gundam movie. Will it be Yoshiki Tomino, or will it be everybody else except for Yoshiki Tomino? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad he still has faith in this thing that... Basically, nobody liked. Wait, remember, he came out of retirement right. to, right. to make G-Reco. For that, yeah. Well, I never really understand if anime, if anime people actually ever retire, because it doesn't seem like anyone actually retires. They just stop getting work. Right. You're just not allowed to, to do anything <laughs> anymore. Right. Like, maybe a thing here and there, but yeah. As much as I was crapping on Gundam Seed Destiny, the director of it, Mitsuo Fukuda, who's done a lot of good stuff over the years, he's, I guess, in a position where he's like, listen, I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want, and they can't do anything to me anymore. It's because he posted that the work schedule at Sunrise is unacceptable. Yes, I saw this, and this is great. Like, they wanted him to... They He worked 60 hours and four days? No, what he's saying is they wanted one of the assistants to work 60 hours and four days, and he was like, okay, she's a lowly assistant. She can't speak up and protest this, otherwise she'll be shown the door, but I can say something about it, because what are they going to do, fire my ass? I'd like to see that, which, yeah. you know, he, he did nice. serve, like, you know, anime jail for a while, but... You know, he's he's not like going anywhere, I don't think, for it. It's very similar to the like video game development industry. Like working at Sunrise, he says, is basically nonstop continuous crunch. And it doesn't need to be because there's any number of people who they could hire and they don't need to make this many shows and that sort of stuff like that. I'm glad to hear someone bring it up. I don't know if anything will come of it, but you know, the more people who shine a light on this stuff. Eventually, something may or may not happen, but I do think that anime needs like a correction as far as the number of shows that come out every three months, every year, 
you could easily reduce that by a significant amount because most of the shows that are being made, like the amount of good shows that are being made is still constant, I would say. Right. Especially this season where there's a lot of good stuff. Right. It's rough, but I'm glad that he said something because, yeah, like the lowly assistant's not going to say anything. Yeah. They want to keep their job. Yeah. I mean, it's good for somebody that has more ability to speak up. We'll do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this about this like forever there. It's just forever and ever. It's been, you know, anime industry and the video game industry just work you to death. And there's barely any money to be made in either of them unless Mm -hmm. you're like the top guy. Well, even if you're the top guy, like there's a limit to how much you can make or how much you can benefit off of it. Like I was surprised by this other one that happened and this isn't as big of a story, but like you guys are all watching Gridman, right? No, we haven't started that. No, I heard it's good. Okay. Gridman is interesting. Like it's a trigger show and it's this sort of revival of the tokusatsu show Gridman from the nineties, which got adapted Mm -hmm. in the United States as superhuman samurai cyber squad, cyber spelled with an S. And so the new show is called SSSS Gridman to (laughs) acknowledge that. (laughs) And the Funimation dub of it, they even have like some sort of instruction to have like the guy kind of impersonate tim curry his weird uh mm. you know, voice for that to, <laughs> i remember to give that yeah the true grid man experience but the thing that stood out to this was when i was watching it i was like oh, okay this giant robot stuff and they're doing these fancy poses this is some good work by masami obari and as it turns out masami obari does not work on Gridman at all they're just yes i saw that too yeah so this basically what happened was Masami Obari didn't post this on his Twitter himself. I guess what happened was Masami Obari, I think his wife is either Chinese or can read and write in Chinese. And so on the Chinese social media site, Weibo or whatever you pronounce that, mm-hmm. he posted in Chinese saying, hey, there's like a limit. To, there's like a line between homage and just ripping off that I think that Gridman is kind of crossing the line a bit on. For like, you know, sort of like maybe he didn't say it as harshly as that, but he's kind of saying like, even though like I'm a me and all those guys are like, oh, Gridman is this big tribute to Masami Obari. Like, I think Masami Obari has a point because until he posted that, I was like, I just thought they had him working on this show. Hmm. Right. Because I remember he posts on his Twitter and his Twitter is great, by the way, because he'll post like the Masami Obari pose that he's very familiar with, which is apparently like they use like just full cuts from stuff he's worked on in Gridman, and that's, you know, way over the line. Hmm. Yeah, because when I think of Obari signature stuff, like, yeah, everyone looks at that sort of three-quarter sword image. The dick sword pose. The dick sword pose, that's correct. (laughs) But then I also think of the wind-up punch, like, you know, when they're facing forward and they kind of, like, gear back with the one hand and then, like, do, like, the sort of corkscrew sort of hit. Mm -hmm. That's, like, I think people even call that the Obari punch. I could be wrong about that, but... Yeah, apparently he uh, had nothing to do with these things. Hmm. But why didn't they just hire him? Like, is he not working I think he anymore? He works somewhere else. Like, I don't know if he can. I mean, I doubt that he's like not available. <laughs> like, I thought that he might just be like super busy. But yeah, apparently they may not have even asked him. I don't know the story with that. But Gridman's an interesting show, and just by virtue of all the stuff that's coming out, you'd think that Gridman and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and stuff would be talked about more. But uh, they, they seem to be like, yep, 
existing. It's always hard to tell because I always have my little bubble that I exist in where people will be super excited about a show and then another show which, you know, is just as good or if not better will come out and nobody will be talking about it in that bubble. And this this season, like the reason yeah. we're not watching Gridman is that there's so much stuff this season to watch. Like we're watching Banana Fish and JoJo's and Skullface Seller Honda and... Gosh, what else are we watching? Zombieland Saga? Yeah, Zombieland Zombie Saga. And Double Decker, and right. which is c- coming to an end. And I mean, these are all... That's like, another one is- I was surprised. Like, I thought, especially because Tiger and Bunny was so popular, I kind of thought that Double Decker would get more attention, but right. it doesn't really seem to be... Like, catching on. Not here, anyway. Like, it seems to be doing okay in Japan, Mm. as best I can Mm. tell. But over here, like, Tiger and Bunny, oh, that was eight years ago. Like, people barely around now, like, barely know about it. So, I don't know if that's a case of just Look, fellow Fujoshi, you gotta support this gay buddy cop nonsense. (laughs) It's a really good show, like I said. It's important. It is. In the last episode, so I'm glad you guys are watching it. Yes. Yeah, and we are. We I are, keep I keep dying thinking about that part where they're just like, it turns out actually Doug is kind of an asshole. Yes, that was amazing, and it's, it's so good. We're well behind where the show is released, but like, there's just lots yeah, of weird yeah. things. Like we were watching the episode, and I had to stop for a second. I was like, "Is that Sherlock in the background?" And we had to go back, and I'm pretty sure they just used like the characters from the BBC show Sherlock as just right. background characters. It looks a little Cumberbatchy. Yes. To be fair, no one else looks like that because he doesn't look like a human. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of people who don't look <laughs> like they're human. Humans. <laughs> yes. Oh, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Everybody knows that he is the Let's talk about what we are gathered here to discuss. So a little while ago, we did hit our donation goal as far as when we stream on Twitch and, and things like that. We allow people to send in donations. And if you send a donation, it will text to speech, you know, write out your donation on the screen and all that kind of stuff. But what we also say to do is suggest an anime title that you would like for us to review once we hit the threshold. And so we met the goal and we said, we're going to pick something. And this is one of the things, but just so we're clear, because this is such a simple, easy gimme of a one, this is not going to be the end of it. We're going to also pick another thing because this is a one shot OAV from 1991. One of those sort of anime OAVs that's meant to promote a manga that never got translated or released here by anybody yep as was the case as was standard those were like ubiquitous in the 90s and a lot of times like because they were meant to promote a manga they would be like some bit from the middle of it 
or something. Right. And there, or there would be like a cliffhanger. It would end abruptly and you'd be like, what the hell is this? Right. And and back then we had no idea that the story continued on elsewhere or that this was right. made to Or promote. even if you did, you know, to be able to get it and then get a translation of it, you know, was like pretty much impossible. So, yeah. Yeah, Media Blasters built their library on those sorts of things. There's just tons of things that, you know. You mean CPM? No, no, Media Blasters. Media Blasters released I mean, a lot C- of TV shows, though. And they released a ton of those one-shot OVAs, tons of them. Yeah, I think um, when I think of Media Blasters, like, they didn't exist until after CPM, because... No, they, they didn't. So CPM and then, like, Software Sculptors, which was, like, the pre-Media Blasters, and then Media Blasters. Like, they released Shinesman and all these things. I mean, Shinesman was more than one shot that at least, I think, got two episodes, but that sure, was but also one Sure, it's like a thing that you where... fit on, like, one tape or two tapes or something like that. Right. Because, right. again, that was the way yeah. that anime was sold. It was one-shot things that you could sell to a video store or a comic book shop. You couldn't easily sell, like, here's a 50-episode show or a 26-episode mm-hmm. show. No, because back then the sales structure was three episodes a disc, one disc at a time. Right. Nowadays, everything is all about like simulcasts and it's a totally different model. But one thing I will say about the 1990s, we've talked about how anime fandom is diverse. Anime fandom is divided. There's all sorts of preferences that people have and likes and dislikes and little bubbles of interest. However, there was a silent pact that was made among all anime fans who were in the 1990s, and we never talked about this. It was a silent, unspoken, agreed upon thing that we just said, all right, the 90s are over. This is the pact. We are <laughs> never to mention the existence of Hiroshi Nagishi ever again. <laughs> and so the pact is held for about 20 years now, but we will be breaking that pact temporarily, just temporarily, just for a little bit. To Darryl, talk we're going to get this. thrown out. We are I, there potentially people are gonna be knocking at my door. Well, it's cause it could potentially cause a rift in the barrier that is protecting this world from <laughs> demonic evil influence because Hiroshi Nagishi was this mastermind behind a great deal of very popular things in the 1990s, which nowadays nobody speaks about. Nobody acknowledges the existence of. For example, Hiroshi Nagishi. I think we all like finally retroactively looked back and realized, God, why did we watch that? But uh, the thing is, like Hiroshi Nagishi, for example, he was a person who wasn't the creator, the original creator of, but he worked on a lot of Tenchi Muyo. So yeah, he, director of a lot of the, yeah, stuff. he directed like what? a lot of the less good Tenchi Muyo's, even though he did direct my favorite one, which was the first movie. He Tenchi Muyo in mm. love. He wrote and directed that movie. And I think that movie is good, but he also directed the Tenchi universe TV show, which is just like a Ooh. show that exists. And then he, he wasn't even good enough to direct the, uh, the pretty Sammy TV series, which is in my opinion is the best, thing Tenchi Muyo right no he didn't there, he didn't but. work on on that at all but you know he directed Tenchi Forever the movie which the plot of it is Tenchi meets another girl yep then when they brought back Tenchi Muyo like he's the person who's doing that along with somebody else so he also worked on a lot of those like Sukasa Hojo character design shows uh Saber mm. Marionette he worked on those 
on the subject oh, of God. On the subject of furries, Chaos Century Beast, that was him. I'm looking at his list now, and I like that one of the last most recent things he worked on was Divergence Eve, which the only thing I know about was that the girls had such huge breasts in that that it was a sci-fi show, so the doors had to open like well ahead of time <laughs> so that their, their boobs breasts pass through. That's <laughs> yes. correct. That is Hiroshi Nagishi. He didn't, he didn't universally Amazing work on bad no. things, though, because, I mean, we reviewed Sonic Soldier Borgman, which I thought was good. He was yeah. the director of Tekaman Blade, which I think is an excellent show. That is a good show. Yeah, Tekaman Blade's fun. Yeah, You know, he's not, like, universally a nightmare person. He was involved in a great many, like, good things. You know, I like, you know, NG versus Knights, uh, Lamine and Forty Fire, which, um, you know, another show nobody remembers. Uh, you know, Master of Mosquiton, another show nobody remembers, which I liked. But uh, we didn't get we didn't get that first one. Though. No, we only got the porny the, OAV the follow up <laughs> to the second which, TV show. Right. Was which, that fresh? Uh, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Fresh, yeah. which was, yeah, meant to be like a really horny OVA that refers back to a whole bunch of stuff that nobody, that nobody watching that could Nobody in the United States <laughs> legitimately saw. I mean, it all- I think right. Master of Mosquiton is another one of those that, like, I remember seeing it in the video store all the time, but I have no memory of actually watching it. And I don't know if that's because I never did actually watch it or if the Swiss uh, cheese that is my brain just kind of dropped it out huh. somewhere <laughs> i mean that is so, possible because again it's another thing basically from your brainchild of the saber marionette j forces you know all the same people kind of went and worked on that too oh man, oh, man. he worked on saber Bounty Dog. he's the creator of that yeah uh, and so he's trying to bring that is, it back that, that is one of th- i still can't believe that got so many sequels that was a really popular show for its time immensely and popular we yeah. don't talk about so- or acknowledge that it exists anymore though Joe. <laughs> It was so 90s. Like, that is, whenever, oh, whenever yeah. I see anime fans. Is it the most like, 90s? In Japan, there's thing? a lot of, yeah. like, most 90s things that you look at the credits of Hiroshi Nagishi and it's like, okay, you are a guy that is like Mr. 90s. And whenever right. people say, yeah. remember the 90s, we don't bring up all this stuff that you did. <laughs> right. That got like, seen and watched by people. It's weird to see that he worked on Bounty Dog, which is a really interesting looking OVA, but was only two parts and clearly didn't finish its story right that's a manga video thing another thing which i believe was like a promotional bit but i could be wrong about that i think that was an original i don't think there was a manga i think you might be right but yeah that one was like potentially interesting and then it ended really quickly but right on the subject of potentially interesting i don't know if that applies (laughs) to what we are actually talking about here by request for many years of Alexander Strange. That's right. The most we are dangerous talking person. About judge. Why would you do this to us, Alex? <laughs> the Magistrate of Darkness Judge from 1991. Oh, I thought you were going to say Strange. Alexander Strange, the Magistrate of Darkness. Yeah, I mean, he, no. may, he may very well be the real world Magistrate of Darkness, you know, just based yes. on you know, I mean, all I his accomplishments. I mean, I think so. Like, d- didn't he give you Cat Blue Dynamite? He just walked up to me and just <laughs> handed me this... this disc that just had cat blue dynamite and i was like what was this and he just said watch it and then disappeared into the crowd and you like, never saw him again like, that year. He, he was like a like a spirit animal that just appeared i love you alexander strange we all, we all do that's why we are deciding to, to, to finally and truly get into this one now i remember seeing judge this was one of those blockbuster specials but 
The thing with Judge, and I'm not even talking about the content of the show now, I'm just talking about the appearance of it, like, on the shelf. It was one of those things that was kind of perfectly bad in that it didn't look like an action show, it didn't look like a titty show, it just had a guy in, like, a Judge uniform on the cover. So hmm. I never bothered to ever pick it up because there didn't seem to be any appeal yeah. from that perspective. Right. So here's how I knew about yeah, Judge. This one missed me completely. Like, I never saw this one. And I don't even really strongly remember the advertisements for it. I do like, remember. There's a lot of those, like I said, you know, I remember the ads even though I never actually watched it. But so, not this so one. So Judge was not cool enough to get its own standalone trailer. What CPM uh, mm. under their U.S. Manga Core label did was at the start of the tape, they would have like... Welcome to the world of U.S. Manga Core, and then have like a montage of all their stuff. And And it was just in the montage. And it was just in the montage of like the 10 seconds of potentially exciting judge content (laughs) that they could get. And they put that in and said, judge. And though there was like, (laughs) maybe if you got like a more mature audience uh, DVD, there'd be like one cut of like the scintillating sex scene of judge as part of the the montage. Five seconds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. five seconds of it's not even not even cinemax level like you don't even see pink no no there's no nudity or whatever uh in it but uh at least female nudity but like the point is is this was a manga that was written in the 90s obviously um i believe it ran from 1987 but it ran like monthly so even though you collect it all and it's only like two three volumes tops that meant it ran for like five years in the monthly Mm -hmm. i don't remember the anthology it ran in it wasn't like a a big famous one but the guy who worked on it get this you know what his debut work was gerald take a guess oh no i have no idea uh his debut work no looking up just make a guess what do you think no the guy who wrote judge might have debuted with i am just thinking about this so here's here's what he made his debut with crusher joe was his debut oh i would have never Never put that together. He came up with the uniform design for the lovely angels, a dirty pair. He worked on like, yeah, uh, this is what he's doing on. Like, you know, that's the sort of his pedigree. Why does judge look so bad? He also did like (laughs) stuff with Kawajiri because later after this, he did Biohunter. Oh, man. So he's a guy who has made some stuff. And he worked as so an he, animator at, at Nue, because obviously that's where Crusher Joe and Dirty Pair and stuff were made. And so this was a thing that he uh, had done as well that you would never guess a guy <laughs> with that capability made Judge. But he did, because Judge was written by a guy named Fujihiko Hosono, not typically a person whose name you'd put on the marquee of Dirty Pair or Crusher Joe. You typically think of Yaz some other folks but no that's that's what he worked on so this is a 45 minute thing which depending on where you check is either an adaptation of the first volume or what i prefer to believe it is an adaptation of the first chapter (laughs) this is a lot for one chapter but i want to believe that is exactly what it is so judge the magistrate of darkness is about a depiction, I guess, as it would be, of the Japanese concept of hell. 
you know, you've got like Enma and, you know, all that stuff that you've seen before in, mm-hmm. you know, your various Gonagai or Shigeru Mizuki sort of works. Or Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> yeah, Yu Yu Hakusho is actually the real depiction of hell that we all... Yeah, because it's also like the, it's like the underworld bureaucracy kind of thing, which I think that's a case where it's done well, but... Uh, what's another example? I mean, Disgaea, not really. I mean, it's got a lot of underworld mm. bureaucracy, but not quite the Japanese hell, some sort of weird anime hell, uh, hmm. not affiliated with Dave Merrill. How about Hells? Well, Hells is a weird one, uh, which is recent. <laughs> but I think the way that Judge sort of stands out is that it is your perfect salaryman dad fiction sort of tale. <laughs> Not even salaryman dad, but salaryman scrub sort of tale. Right. Because what Judge is about is about a guy who is the judge of the damned or what have you, who masquerades in the living world of mortals as the shitty, dumb, ineffectual guy at the office, a.k.a. the reader. (laughs) Because, like, Judge starts off and you have no idea, like, what the hell has this got to do with Judge? Because it's like a guy gets killed in the jungle, execution style, and then it cuts away to 1990s Japanese salaryman world where the girls have to get people tea and coffee and like the guy has to like have the paperwork and you know not put the cover sheet on correctly or whatever screw ups that he's doing and then the corporate malfiescence comes into play that's the scintillating appeal of judge right as it turns out you've got people in the company who are i guess skimming funds for their own personal gain who are arranging to have people they don't like in the company sent off on dangerous assignments and then killed. And these criminals will get away with it. If not for the fact that there is the judge who's going to come after him. And uh, he doesn't have a transformation sequence or anything like that. Now I want to note that at no point in this, is there apparently any attempt to actually go through regular human legal channels so I feel like the idea is supposed to be that, like, these people, like, the regular law, like, isn't going to touch them, but it feels like they don't even try. Yeah, I don't feel <laughs> so- like they're sort of trying to get this sort of, like, daredevil punisher, like, oh, the system right. fails, and so I'm going to, you know, yeah. take this in. Yeah. But no, it's just, all right, says here, you're, you're cooking the books. It's time to pay. And the penalty appears to be always death. Yes, the penalty is death. That's it's always the penalty. It's a creative <laughs> way of killing somebody. So obviously the first one is the funniest because yes. you know, the guy's driving along being you know, like talking to himself in the car like ha, 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 got away with it. Can't wait till I get my new gig in America. Life is great. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Hey, what's that over there? And then suddenly a bunch of birds like fly through the windshield of his car, possibly bats, but some sort of flying object. And then suddenly this dude comes out in this giant fright wig, which is it's literally a wig. He doesn't transform. He has this outfit that he puts on that he keeps in his closet. So it's not like, oh, this, you haven't even seen my true form. No, it's just a really shitty cosplayer. It's a cosplayer. Yeah, he's like, listen, I'm going to get this mileage out of this Polnareff wig and I'm going to dye it black. <laughs> Bull Nakano ain't got shit on this. I'm going to put on these things. And so then we, we must not forget, he also has a demonic cockatiel bird. Yeah, the fucking weirdest looking bird I've ever seen in anime. There's a lot of weirdest looking I've ever seen in anime. Did the animators yeah. just not know what birds looked like? Like, 
Like maybe they thought like, okay, we have to show that it's not truly a bird of this realm, as some people even point out that hey, <laughs> your bird looks really fucking weird. But I think <laughs> look, did, it's also did these animators know what humans looked like? Well, that's because what we're getting. That's to. also a good question. We yeah. will get to that. The the guy with the judge, like he shows up and envelops this guy in sort of his demonic barrier and drives a nail through his tongue for that is the penalty of liars. And then he um, throws him into the sea and he drowns. And then the American flag shows up. A flying piece of cloth wraps him up and like dumps him in the river. And it turns out to be dun, 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 an American an flag. An American flag. Because he is <laughs> guilty, like, what is this? right, guys? To America. Right. And the punishment fits the crime. And your crime is that you would <laughs> abandon glorious Nippon for the United States. And so that's like the first, like what, 10 minutes of this thing, maybe 15, because there was like a quick little bit where he made it sort of seem like they were trying to take it to the actual authorities, but the executives are all corrupt. And like the security guards are also in the pocket of these people and they aren't going to report the malfiescence. So he's, they start killing one too many people in this one office. And so the, the judge is going to take him out. So his name is actually like Oma, not Omu. Cause I keep thinking like uh Nausicaa. So the things. So Oma, like the German word for grandma. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, he's about as cool as a grandma. Right. And you'd think so. it, it takes effort. <laughs> Although that's probably being unfair to grandma. Maybe. But I mean, you know, normally you have to take, make effort to cast Kaneda Shiazawa and have him play an uncool guy. Oh because like remember, the man, he the was man's voiced voice by Kaneda Shiazawa, and it's not clear that it's voiced by him until he puts on the wig and starts talking like how he normally talks. So the rest right. of the time, he's presumably doing the equivalent of, eh, if I were to talk like this the whole time, guys, it's just, you know, <laughs> you know that's kind of the voice that he's using <laughs> as like stupid salary man. And how he managed to start boning the one office lady in his dork persona is a mystery to me. But, you know, right. he, he does have like a, a rather swinging bachelor pad, which I will note, 1991, not quite the 1980s, but it was still 1980s enough that anytime there's like a shot of like a VCR or electronics, it's like really like hyper detailed work that like people would <laughs> go to just like, got to make sure you get like every last button readout of my right. you know, JVC, whatever it is accurately portrayed and so that's when after that guy is is killed through the power of america we are introduced to the most apocalypse zero looking motherfucker i have ever seen which is the villain for no <sighs> apparent reason this guy because it's not like everyone else looks like yeah this. yeah no no the, 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 nobody acknowledges it no either. no there's nothing right. so this out is of clearly... the ordinary there's no one who says like oh yeah the the, the boss is kind of weird no he's just a guy and his looks eye- like an insect. Yeah, yeah. His eyes are like seven times bigger than everybody else in the show. So it's, it's like those stereotypical gray aliens with just like the really gigantic bulging eyes. And this guy is like the executive at the company who's like, oh no, so-and-so got silenced and you know they're, they're coming on to me. I don't know how he got killed. And then fear not. This cartoon is well-developed enough that the second most important character in the series has no given name. <laughs> and so when you look at the cast, it's like just 
guy or, you know, like man number two or, you know, uh, I think his actual name in the credits is defendant or something like that. (laughs) And you'd think that this guy would actually be the main character because of how fucking stupid and weird he is. But like, right. He's the juice box detective lawyer for Jesus. (laughs) He basically shows up looking like some sort of highly untrustworthy. My eyes are always closed sort of shady character and he's like i'm the only one who can save you from the judge and he has such a weird dub voice and i was like were they going for a mr magoo thing because his eyes are always closed I think that's like, what they I, were doing i think they looked at him and i was like oh you should you should just sound like you're blind all the time and be like oh yeah well, you don't know what i can save me you gotta say i do declare you need my services you know? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing you need to know right now is that i am the only person on earth who can help you solve your problem and rest assured, my friend, you do have a problem. And then it's like when he slowly reaches into his breast pocket and you think he's going to either pull out like a pack of cigarettes or a gun or something. But no, it's a it's juice, a juice box, box that like an elementary school kid would have. <laughs> and that I actually kind of I, like. I think like that that's is, kind of a funny touch. I think that's good. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. And then like, because later on. I think that's the only good thing. <laughs> later on, like when he's in the cafe and he's like, do you have juice? They're like, oh, we only have this. And you're like, <laughs> You know, like he <laughs> does one of those. But this character has no name. And so yeah. he's like, okay, Ridiculous. what I need you for how, long yeah, for how prominent he is in, in this 45 minutes or whatever. Right. It's like he seems like he would be like the main foil for the protagonist. Because he takes like the corrupt Apocalypse Zero executive out there to the only place that he can possibly do to keep him spiritually safe, which is a hike out in the mountains the snow-capped mountains that they just decide to go to and they set up a tent and it's just two dudes camping together for the sake of keeping them safe from Oma, the judge magistrate of darkness, who it turns out cannot stand up to the power of Christianity because even though the magistrate of darkness has a magical book that is made of human skin, like the Necronomicon. Yes, they're sure to point this out. Yeah, don't worry. There's a counter to the book made of human skin. And that is the gloves of the defendant who's dressed up like a Christian priest because the judge magistrate of darkness is dressed up like a, I don't know, like a Japanese Shinto kind of priest or whatever. Maybe. I I think it's like more like a very ancient Japan, like 1500s magistrate sort of person. That's sort of the impression I got from his attire. But his opponent with the power of Jesus has gloves that are made of human skin, which... I would think if you had gloves made of human skin that they might not be very durable. But what do I know? Maybe they're just very well tanned. Look, I saw... Hey, look, we watch Golden Kamui. Yeah. Yes. We know. <laughs> that's, that's actually all true. Uh, we, we don't know what part of the body, you know, they took to make these skin gloves from. But these gloves fly off of his hands and start strangling Oma. And he's like, oh, no, I can't counter it. And he's like, that's right made of human skin and like the closest i can think of is the greatest manga in history called galaseum which is this thing kodansha is putting out <laughs> where the counter to things is to have clothes that are made out of human skin <laughs> that's all i could think about is that really like that's among other things yes like that's a that is a <laughs> manga with a lot of things going on in it but this is also an anime with a lot of things going on in it so mm. yes they get into the spiritual christianity versus i don't know Eastern hell's spiritualism sort of thing. Christianity prevails and he's sent off the mountain to his death. He falls and he basically is killed. But 
he uses the force to call out to his office lady girlfriend and sets the greatest trap in history. Do you remember this? Because there's a lot of stuff happens in this, this OAV, to be fair. But as part of her office lady duties of bringing in the tea to the executive, he possesses right, her he body. Right, like he possesses her, yeah. <laughs> That's correct. By doing that, he, uh, I guess subpoenas him like what happens here like <laughs> so much of this is like build up of like you know only i can set the barrier and i have to dish out the judge jury executioner stuff and then he shows him he's like aha i summon the 10 gods of hell or whatever it is and they will be the jury in this case that will judge you for your crimes. What's weird, too, is that, like, the first guy, there's no mention of there there's, being any sort of defense, no defense or judges. Or ju- he just straight up murders him. He just him. shows up and so, kills him. And so, like, the- do the only people that get due process are the ones that, like, this one defense attorney just happens to stumble upon? I think upon? so. I think, like, the, the judges showing up, it's, it's like America, right? Like... <laughs> If you get busted for a crime and you can't afford or have like your fancy defendant lawyer, you just get like some shitty public defender who's overworked and he's not actually going to do any work to prove you innocent. He's just going to say, like, okay, you're guilty. And here's the deal that you're going to take. You're going away. Get out of my case. Cause I got like 20 more of these to process. Right. Whereas this guy Probably is, 50 more, is yeah. rich. And so the priest defendant comes up and he's like, my fee is $3 million or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, ah, well, then you get entitled to an actual trial by jury. So they call their witnesses from the dead and the dead have no reason to lie, by the way. And this goes for a while. And the, my favorite part of all this. Is it the mirror? Yes. Is it the fucking it's mirror? It's the black mirror, Clarissa, because the whole premise of this is he's the judge <laughs> and you've got the defendant and you need the jury trial. But really, <sighs> it's all a scheme to get their man to take two steps to the right. Because there is a giant mirror right. in the hell dimension, which. Oh, and at no point did the defense attorney Tell the guy, hey, hey don't touch way, that mirror. Here's what he tells him. He's like, let me do all the talking because these 10 gods of hell are temperamental and only I can deal with them. And I know what sort of evidence they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. And at no point as they're having this big cross-examination or whatever, does he say, oh, by the way, see that big giant fuck off mirror that's behind us this whole time? Whatever you do, don't turn around. Don't touch it. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Because as it turns out, if you touch or look at the mirror that is giant and very highly conspicuous, your reflection will confess all your crimes. And then you'll be found guilty, even though, you know, you're found like whatever. And then, yes, the reflection will murder you, by the way. So why the fuck do you need a judge or a jury? Why would you have a trial? trial? Why don't you just say, here's the mirror, bitch, guilty or innocent? Done. How did this manga go on for so long if it's very clear how to do things? Right. Well, well the thing is, it's like, stuff. it's not like he Phoenix righted him. It's not like he Miles Edgeworth him. It was none of yeah. those things. It was just they, arg- they had an s- argument, like a spiritual battle that seemingly left him dead. And then he reincarnates through the girl. And then they call the trial. And then all the priest does is say, like, I move to dismiss this immediately. That's, that's the only thing he ever says. And then they call their witnesses from the dead and they seem to support that, you know, this guy didn't do the murder. And then because he looked in the mirror, you know, it's like, I did it, guys. Oh, well, that settles that then. The punishment is death. And so he strangles himself. 
Very difficult to do, but I guess, you know, they make a point out of that. And I'm going to presume that unlike in the regular world, that confessions from the magical mirror, because it's magical, are, you know, not uh, faulty. Right. Because false confessions happen all the time. But if you, in your mind, think, oh, I did it, I'm guilty, and you look in the mirror and you, you weren't actually guilty, there was other evidence, too bad, you're dead. So the criminals that would otherwise go free in the corporate malfeasance, be on alert because Oma is out there and he's going to get you one menial shitty office job at a time because with all this great power, he just like confines itself to like the the one company and that's it. Right. Like I I was trying to figure out, like, does he only ever like investigate people in the company that he's working for? It certainly appears that way. But I don't know if that's like the case is that. This was just one time, like, to set it up? Like, does he actually actively go looking for people to judge? Or is it just the who he happens to stumble upon? Well, maybe this is only chapter one of a two-volume manga saga, and maybe in each additional (laughs) exciting chapter, he finds himself in some brand new shitty job to judge someone. Maybe he ends up (laughs) in the White House, and he So it's like like working buddies. Yeah. Working buddies, but far (laughs) With murders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's basically the end of Judge. Like, uh, the whole thing is very peculiar, and you're wondering, okay, I guess this is supposed to get me hyped for more of this. Uh, and the ending is really abrupt. Right. Like, I still don't know what is okay, up with I can, that. Okay, I can tell you. So, it's actually the CPM DVD authoring, because there is an end credit sequence oh, okay. with a song, but they used multi-angle branching, like alternate angles, and they had it start on a different chapter such that if you oh, okay. like just watch the thing the way I did it, I ripped it to show everyone. It, it doesn't rip the credits. And so it's just like, I'll continue to judge people. Blank the end. <laughs> no cut to credits okay. or, and song. If you saw this on YouTube, then you, you see the, the whole. Okay. Yeah, like, which by the way, there's, there's like animation ha- in the ending and everything. So ripped and posted the entirety of judge, like from the VHS tape, and put it onto yeah. YouTube. And apparently no one, no one cares, cares enough, enough to copyright to strike it. To file a copyright strike on Judge <laughs> to take it down. It's still there as of right now. You can go and watch Judge and your life will be uh, forever changed and, and forever the better. And you will live on the moral path of not doing corporate crime if you go and watch <laughs> this, which we will link to it in the show notes. Right. This is one of those that has, uh, when CPM uh, dissolved, this was part of their library, and I don't believe. Shockingly, there was any, no license any, rescue, Gerald. Yeah, there was no license rescue. No one is. I don't see discotheque unless discotheque gets this part as part of like a package. Yeah, I don't see. Discotheque I mean, I don't think there's that this. many people that are really like demanding it. Okay, so let me put it this way: I remember not too many years ago, Mike Tula had a room party, and what he did was he had like literally like 30 or 50 copies of judge on DVD that he bought (laughs) in an eBay auction of like, you know, Hey, here's all this unsold judge DVD stock that CPM made. And so Mike just, it probably was a buck or something. Yeah, It was very cheap to just buy all these copies of judge. And so he just gave them away to people uh, as a a party, you know, souvenir. Is that how you got Uh, it? I I believe I did not take one because I already had judge on DVD. Okay. I think, um, The font for Judge, by the way, is like that seventh grade cool S logo, only it's Judge. CPM, like um, John O'Donnell, a.k.a. the J. Jonah Jameson of anime, 
he would always try to like hype up interest on his packaging by saying it's like from some staff member who worked on another thing that people like. Oh, God. Yeah, I was saying I remember they used to do that with Shamanic Princess. It's like they would make it seem like it was a clamp thing when really it was just somebody who worked on one of the anime adaptations of a clamp thing. Exactly. Yeah, by the creators of clamp when it's like the this character designer of an anime that clamp did the work for or right, some right. very yeah. tangential From the character thing. designer of Tokyo Babylon or something like that. That's the kind of yeah. stuff that John O'Donnell would pull. So here's what it says for Judge. From the director of Burn Up W... Or burn Ugh. up double because of tits. Ooh. That's the pedigree that they can put. It's like not even the ori- <laughs> not even the original burn up, but the sequel to burn up. Ugh. The less good than actual burn up, which wasn't that good to begin with. Right. So, but but here's wow. the thing. Then it says featuring the combined talents of Fujihiko Hosuno, Crusher Joe. Like he's the guy who made Crusher Joe, which I guess, you know, that's that's not entirely false. Hiroshi no. Nagishi, these are the credits that John O'Donnell was like looking through to think, what should I tout as Hiroshi Nagishi's accomplishments? And here's what he wrote. Tenchi in love. Burn up W. Suikoden. Not the video game Suikoden. The anime <laughs> one shot thing that CPM put out. And MD Geist. Because again, we must not forget that Hiroshi Nagishi had like storyboards or whatever. A unit director Geist. thing or something, yeah. And Man. then it also has uh. the involvement of Shin Matsuo, who worked on Bounty Dog, everybody. Yep. The, uh, the unit director of that. So that is like, you're supposed to look at this and be like, huh? Yeah. Wow. Look at these great th- other things that, you know, these guys made. I'm going to, I'm going to check out Judge based on my love of Soiko and MD Geist and Bounty Dog. Though. <laughs> I guess MD Geist, you know, people bought the shit out of MD Geist. But nobody bought Judge. Nobody talked about it even then. But Shin Matsuo did the character designs for Judge. So he's the guy responsible for the weird fucking eyes. I have questions. I I have questions also, especially when you look at the other things that he's worked on where it's like, hey, wait a second. This guy's not the worst person in the history of the world. He appears to know how to draw things. So is he just like being faithful to a manga design? I'll never know. Right. Like, was he just copying the art style of the manga? Where, yeah, where right. just that guy looked weird. I'm assuming there probably aren't even scans of the manga available. He also did the character designs for Shadow Skill, which is another thing Hiroshinigishi worked on. And I like Shadow Skill, at least like the first part of it. But by and large, this guy's a pretty accomplished key animator. So, I mean, he... Wouldn't be able to have that many credits if he didn't know how to fucking draw a human being, <laughs> which this guy who is the villain. I'm just endlessly bothered that this one character looks so off and so off from other characters in the same show and nobody acknowledges right. this. And this is just normal. It bothers me to know. Like no I'm saying, end. he looks like he's a character in Apocalypse Zero who's about to be right. killed, which is most of the cast of Apocalypse Zero. But that, that nobody says that nobody looks at him and, or nobody like none of the OLs or the office ladies in there say like, man, he looks so or weird. Or he creeps me out like or, you nothing. know, whatever sort of yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It's right. not like, you know, like they're it, trying oh, to. It's annoying. Yeah, I, I have nothing but questions. And they will never yeah, be Yeah, because answered. it feels like it's a different character designer working on just one character. Like, this isn't like Megazone 2, 3. Where you just yeah, have, you get, like, one yeah. design 
that's I right. see the Wikipedia article references Fred Patton's. Yeah, Fred Patton was like, oh, yeah, because he thought it was pretty good, though. You know, he did say this guy looks kind of weird. And if they have this mirror, then why did they do this trial? <laughs> but yeah, that's on Cartoon Research where he's talking about like forgotten anime OAVs. And he mentions Judge. That's one of the only places online, along with Mike Tool's column, where he quickly mentions Judge. That's the only places that, you know, Judge is ever mentioned online until now. Because we've got the Anime World Order review of Judge. So if it goes about how everything goes for us in about seven or eight years, anime fandom will rediscover Judge. Yeah, it's going to become like the biggest meme there is. The biggest thing (laughs) ever. And then, as always, people will forget that we were there first. We were there 27 (laughs) years after the fact. Maybe (laughs) close to 30. But yeah, this is such a weird one shot. It's not particularly memorable in a lot of ways like things happen and the direction i blame a lot of it on the director hiroshi nagishi like it's very workmanlike direction but there's no like excitement to it or anything there's nothing really special going on in it yeah the action scenes are really well come on gerald are you telling me that hiroshi nagishi the man who founded studio radix the man who founded the studio that gave us nazca Divergence Eve <laughs> and various other masterpieces like Amazing Nurse Nanako, things like that. Ooh. That he he makes things that aren't particularly great. Uh, you mean you mean oh, to tell gosh. me that uh, that such I, a thing you're, is you're possible, right, Daryl? I need to. I need. I might need to take that back. Okay. I might need to. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for understanding that the the man who gave us Love Get Chu, the uh, Japanese mobile phone visual novel about a group of five girls trying to become voice actresses would make something that was a little bit less than great. <laughs> and, and not so coincidentally, Radix no longer exists because they uh, they closed <laughs> up shop uh, because they mostly made bad things, though some of the things that they did work on were actually quite good. Many years ago, I reviewed Hi Bonnie Renme, which is a really good show. But most of the stuff he made is just like, trash or forgettable sequels to things that should otherwise be good. Like a lot of the Sakura Tyson anime that somehow aren't that great. Yeah. Those are all him. How can you fuck that stuff up? The, like the story is written for you and the music is there already. And uh, never mind. I don't well, anyway, judge <laughs> is one of those things that's again, part of the silent pact. That we all agreed. We would never talk about as far as a thing that was in the nineties that was around that was probably on the blockbuster shelves, many of them, yeah. that people just didn't bother to pick up. The cover is so bland. The cover is just, just a guy who looks vaguely vampiric and a priest right. holding a cross, and that's it. Because there's not a lot of... Yeah, there's nothing... Like, they, could, they couldn't even get, like, any nice-looking key art for this. I blame, like, the success of Burn Up entirely on that cover well yeah it had tits right it had a girl but with y- like gravity defined hooters um, on the cover and it had an amazing armor design that you could put on that cover and everyone who walked by it like did a double take and were like whoa what is well, this? what gets me though the judge is i'm so curious to like find this manga now the problem is if you try searching it there's another manga called judge yeah, and it's not and so all you get is the one from tonagai yoshi right and that's not the one that we want. No. Now there is a piece of key art that maybe they could have put on the cover, but maybe they didn't have it in like high enough resolution. And it's got like 
the girl from the beginning who got killed and she in this picture she's like tied up and not wearing anything except the top but there's like a strategic ring hula hoop over her <laughs> goodies and there's also like a red screaming demon and also of course the evil parrot you would think that these things would potentially make for a cover and then on the back is a picture of like the guy burning alive and so like you'd think like one of these things would be like something more lurid that you could put on the front and get some sales but i guess you got to get blockbuster to pick it up and so wow there are rules to adhere by but yeah judge is got a lot of really mind-blowing things when you think about it that are just presented in a very conventional standard like yep and now we're doing this sort of way <laughs> right yeah. Yeah, there's very little transition. It's just like, yeah, like you said, now we're doing this. For example, it's a, he got it's, thrown off the mountain to his death. He sent his spirit to his girlfriend. No explanation is made. And then afterwards, yeah, he's he fine. just shows back up at work. Like, oh, I heard you were out for a day or two. Oh, you better stop missing days. Well, maybe he just needed to send his spirit out so he could get there in time. I don't know why. You'd think that if he sent a spirit out from his body, his body would freeze and be in worse shape. But what do I know? He's a judge. I mean, I guess there are worse ways to spend 50 minutes of your time. Well, yeah, there are worse ways because you could watch other things by Hiroshi Nagishi that were like worse. But you definitely will come away from this probably not remembering a whole lot. None of it is presented in a way that is particularly memorable. It's memorable for its lack of memorability. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the dub actually makes it a little bit more memorable just because like the yeah, voices, the voices are so, are so weird. dumb. Early mid 90s CPM dub that actually uh, no, it's a manga UK dub, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, yeah, it's absolutely manga entertainment because you can tell because some of those guys like they use the same voice that they use in like every manga UK dub like. Your crimes have seen gone accent. too far this time. It's time for you to pay and see the evil judges of hell. You know, like they have that, like, okay, I've heard this guy talk like a million times. <laughs> right, right. Too often evildoers escape because their crimes are not discovered or because they really believe they are right. For centuries, my ancestors have passed judgment on these criminals and prescribed their punishment. I am heir to this task, and I am known as the Judge of Darkness. How can you misuse Kaneda Shiozawa, like, so Well, the badly? Japanese, I mean, they got, like, like Daisuke Gori as Enma, who shows up in, like, the right. end. And he doesn't, yeah. like, give, like, any sort of booming Daisuke Gori-like speech. You got Yuri Amino as, like, one of the office ladies, and, you know, she was, like, in a bunch of stuff. The voice cast... It just feels like something that was, like, cranked out. Yeah, it absolutely must have been. Yeah. Which is weird, because uh, 1991 was, like, a year or two after the big financial, like, disaster in Japan, where... They had to be more selective of their projects. Mm. And they selected Judge. Well, maybe it had already been in the pipeline. Yeah, maybe. Because that was like 89, 90 was when the, the bubble burst in Japan. Right. Which they've never really recovered from. Because after this point is where you saw fewer and fewer OVAs coming out. Things have changed now, at least, because of just, mm -hmm. you know, availability. But this is a weird project. It's a weird project. Because, uh, like, the studio that made it, like, the two studios, Animate and JC Staff, those are not studios that you think of as making, like, crappy quality things. Mm -hmm. No, I know JC staff, right. I won't say it's like garbage animation. It's just like very workmanlike across the board. So that's the main things that yeah. stand out is like something that's like particularly bad, like the design of that guy. <laughs> it's almost like one of the perfect sort of like middle of the road everything because yeah. the animation is not bad enough to be memorable. 
it's not good enough to take clips from or anything to use like as an example of like good animation. Right. The storyline is not bad enough to be memorable, not good enough to be memorable either. <laughs> the two best jokes is the juice box and the fact that the parrot repeats like the girl saying like stuff she was saying during sex. Right. Yeah. Those are the two like, you know, good parts. And other than that, like the main novelty of it is, is the fact that everybody in it is like some mid 20s, 30s up aged person which is not something you typically see in anime mm-hmm. right clearly written for like the office guy who was reading the manga i assume that this anthology was like a seinen style workman like office yeah guy office uh manga. let me see it's action brother the anthology is not one that i was familiar with action brother which i've never heard of a short-lived one Yeah, because i was just looking at it but think about this we always talk about like how john o'donnell would sell things of like questionable quality together or release things on the same day of like questionable relatability. So if you wanted to buy judge, you had the option of buying it in a two pack with cybernetics guardian. Wow. Oh, uh, uh, that's a rough one. It's also, they're not complimentary in any no, way. They have nothing <laughs> to do with one. No, another. Cybernetics guardian is like, super ultra violent and judge like there's barely any memorable violence in this at all correct when he's sitting down and thinking about this gerald it was the judgment day pack that was what it was called (laughs) (laughs) you get judge and cybernetics guardian (sighs) you buy one you get one free a free dvd included in this pack they basically threw in a copy of judge for the people who wanted cybernetics guardian i guess it's special all right and how bizarre that it exists way that it was so anyway please go and watch judge either on youtube or from purchasing one of the many copies that are no doubt still in stock don't spend money on judge (laughs) you (laughs) just watch it on youtube you mean to tell us that you would not spend one dollar and 99 cents for judge plus shipping no no, I How wouldn't. How $1.37 on Judge? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I, like, I would there, maybe take it if someone gave me a copy. Like how Mike Tool did maybe. it. Maybe. Uh, even then, I don't, now that I've seen it. There are it, scintillating think- <laughs> special features on this disc, Clarissa, the likes of which oh, you've God. never seen before. <laughs> you get CPM came up with the worst. Extras. So check it out. Yeah, there, always. There is the character gallery where... It shows a picture of every character in it, even the ones who don't have names. So it's just like, you know, person B. (laughs) And then you select it. And then it chapter skips to the scene in the anime where they first show up. Huh? Ah, that's that's an extra, right? (laughs) Oh, nice. Then, Then there's the other extra called the laws of darkness, which is all the occult rules and laws. And if you select it, it takes you to the part in the anime where they recite <laughs> that rule. Eh? <laughs> this is extras to give you your more bang for your buck using the new format of the future DVD over VHS. <laughs> and in fact, when wow. you put in the disc oh, into my. a modern player, it doesn't take you to the main menu. It takes you to the trailers for other things. And then you have to say back to main menu to actually bring you to the main menu so when i first put in the disc i was like is there an authoring error on this thing that it says judge but it's actually just a list of trailers but no (laughs) 
It's just they authored it weird, just like how they had the alternate angle for if you want to watch the end credits with the Japanese text or the English text. So, yes, they waited a good nine years or however many years from the time of the VHS to this to release it on DVD, and it's still out there. And so, yeah, that is Judge, and that is show number 170 of the Anime World Order podcast. We will do one additional show from the list of things that people suggested. We have selected what that show will be, but it is 26 episodes, so it may take us a little while to get through, and so it may not be the next episode that we do, but maybe like one or two after that where we get to that one. Maybe we can do one more episode before Christmas. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't know. There's not a lot of Christmas anime out there to talk about. No. Well, I do have that cute little Christmas anime that was crowdfunded. Santa Company. Hmm. Yeah, I do have that. So that is an option. Once again, go to our website at www.anime worldorder.com you find a review index for all the shows that we've covered as well as the guest spots for the guest appearances that we've done as i mentioned i was a guest on the third impact anime podcast talking about loop on the third the castle cagliostro and i was also on paul chapman's greatest movie ever podcast which is not dead he just lost all will to talk about movies after he saw pacific rim uprising a film that only gerald and i like and so (laughs) after the several months that it's been about half a year and change he's like okay i will talk about movies once again and so i was a guest on there we were talking about about daredevil 2003 ben affleck (laughs) daredevil the greatest movie ever to celebrate (laughs) the release and subsequent cancellation of the latest season of the Netflix daredevil. Yeah. I guess all that stuff is vanishing and not coming back because Disney plus is going to be a family friendly only streaming service. Wake me up. Wake me up. Even though they had all of daredevil season four plotted out, it will most likely never see the light of day much like they're just going to release a season of Punisher and Jessica Jones, and then they'll be canceled no matter what. God damn it, Disney. Thank you, one company owning all media. Yes, this is what happens when one giant company owns everything, and that company is super, super concerned about their image. On that note, we will bring this episode to an end. Let us know what you think, either in the comments or on social media or what have you. You can also send us an email once again at animeworldorder at gmail.com. And unless there is anything else that you guys want to plug or recommend... Kaneda Shiozawa deserved better. <laughs> we will do something that is appropriate for Kaneda Shiozawa in the Dragon future. Half? Age I like Dragon Half. Dragon Half. <laughs> I love... Yeah, I like Dragon Half, and Now too. I'm going to have that damn song stuck in my head Hell, yeah. for a week. <laughs> no, I don't have anything else. I kind of fell out of writing stuff for the magazine, and nobody invites me on their podcast anymore i think i was too boring (laughs) i've been doing writing for otaku usa as well so i hope it gets into the next issue you finally beat world of final fantasy i did beat world of final fantasy it was a really sweet game in the end the last 15 hours or so are kind of a slog but it's a really sweet little game. I enjoyed it's very it quite cute. a lot. Are, are you yeah, going to do all the interventions greatly. and then beat it again? I did all of the interventions except one. All that is left is like end game stuff that I'm not all that interested in doing. But it has possibly the single greatest character I've ever seen in a in an RPG, which is a character called Seraphie, which has a fantastic voice actress. I need She's to see. so good. Her voice she, actress. I was so surprised good. you did not yeah. get Seraphie to be your tree topper this year. She might be. The thing is, is that the tree topper is something that I would like more than only me to understand. But I guess I am in a room full of nerds 
and th- multiple people have played that game. So we will see what my tree topper will be this Maybe year. Maybe it could be the, the, last the big couple of power years. armor helmet from Fallout 76, that $200 one. Oh, boy. Oh, God. That, well, I had the Fallout Pip-Boy one year as a tree topper, and that was a mistake. So Yeah, it was too heavy, right? No, it was just a terrible game. The concept game. of Fallout 4. Oh, right. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much anything wrong I with it. I thought I remembered that it kept falling off, but <laughs> it did. But that wasn't the big problem. You should have said it kept I, falling I, out <laughs> and then like had a drum. It's just a stupid fallout. Uh, oh god, what's up with fallout? Mm, but those man. are things I would love to Such talk a shame. about. But we don't have a video game podcast or any outlet to talk about that stuff. Damn our principles. Yep. <laughs> Damn not wanting to just be another nerd podcast that uh, just talks about everything. Oh uh, well, I guess I need to pick Final Fantasy 15 back up. Do you truly? Yes, you should. I guess you haven't gotten to like well, the she, chapter where you know all the stuff people don't like happens. She is one chapter away from that, and I am dying to see know the reaction. <laughs> to see, you gotta have the webcam up, not this PS4. <laughs> I can't use the webcam like because I stream it for my PS4. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, you, you have gotta to have go the and PS4, buy the capture device. Send her, I have to send her my PS4 webcam so we can see the, the life withering her eyes. <laughs> and then remember, like, you know, they were going to get, you're not going to get the Arden DLC anymore, Gerald. I, I know you were looking forward to, to the whole, oh, the whole no. DLC devoted to, to oh, no, just no to hobo everyone's DLC? favorite, like, uh, hobo The wizard. Lord of the Rings hobo. So what, what gets me is that so much of the storyline, and this is related to the podcast, so much of the storyline that we don't see in Final Fantasy 15, you only get in the Final Fantasy 15 anime OVAs. Any sort of multimedia, mm. transmedia thing is usually a bad idea. I thought people learned that with the Star Wars prequels and the Matrix sequels, that people don't want to deal with that shit. But apparently Final Fantasy 15 didn't get the memo. <laughs> Especially when it's the core understanding of your characters comes from absorbing this other material. Right. I think it can be good as like an extra as an extra thing, thing. for the people that are super yes, into as it. As a supplemental but side story thing, yes. As a, like, if you didn't like remember, see this, it doesn't make sense. That's really ill-advised. Yeah. Right, like people didn't dislike the Matrix because they didn't make sense because they didn't absorb like the Animatrix. They didn't like them because they just sucked. Well, yeah, but you also did to read the comics and play the uh, tie-in video games <laughs> and the MMO read that the novelization and... and you know all that stuff that they thought people were going to do that uh, people don't do. Yeah, nope. They just want to get their one thing and that's done. And I understand. And that's why because they made Judge to hype people up <laughs> as one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wonder if there's an, a Super Nintendo side scroller of this somewhere that we don't know about. <laughs> a Phoenix Wright style, like, legal game. That would actually like, be good, except the novel. thing is, the only evidence you'd ever present is mirror. <laughs> yes. Mirror every time and the game Case over. closed. No, it's about you have to figure out a way to trick the, the defendant into touching the mirror. It's like the land shark from Saturday Night Live in the 70s, where, you know, the same thing happens, but he has to trick people into opening the door. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note i think we can uh call this an episode and right. think get so. on with our lives we talked about judge longer than the episode than it is takes to watch but that's an how we do it judge. like that's how we did for writing beam <laughs> and i didn't even mention what there's overlap in staff in this and golf force so i was hoping that you'd know just pick up on that yourself but it's okay it's okay. We, so now, once again, the rift is up. It's closed once again. We, we don't talk about Hiroshi Nagishi anymore or, or acknowledge this stuff. And that's that's the unspoken pact. going to get knocks at the door soon. I'm going to get thrown <laughs> out of the club. 
Look, Gerald, I'm pretty sure you were already on at least five lists. <laughs> I've seen your downloads. <laughs>